Homestyle Green, episode 198. What exactly is the International Passive House Association and how do they relate to the Passive House Institute in Darmstadt? Well, while I was visiting Darmstadt recently, I sat down with Georgia Zar to find out. G'day and welcome back to another episode of Homestyle Green. This is the podcast dedicated to inspiring people to make a better place to live. Now this year, as you may know, I was very fortunate to be in Darmstadt for the um, Heidelberg version of the International Passive House Association Conference, uh, which precedes the, uh, the main conference coming up in China later this year. And while I was there, I caught up with some of the team in Darmstadt at the Passive House Institute. And in particular, I was interested to find out a bit more about the uh, International Passive House Association. And I sat down with Georgia Zar, who's the head of international communications there, and I asked her how she got involved in this in the first place and, and what exactly is the International Passive House Association. I'm Georgia Zah, I run the International Passive House Association, so everything from um, member questions through to the marketing and political advocacy of the, of the organisation. And how, yeah, how do you describe the EFA or the Passive House Association as distinct from PHI and the Passive House Institute? So it's distinct in that we are a membership network. We bring together all of the uh, international stakeholders, whether that be the um, political decision makers and media, or whether that be our members. Um, they include homeowners as well as the architects and yep. engineers and everything. So um, we're distinct in that way. Um, we are connected in that we share or disseminate the information from um, the institute as new developments um, come become yeah. available. So they do the science, and, and we tell people about it. Tell people about it, and bring all the network together. So currently, how many affiliates you got? I was just checking that this morning. Um, uh, we should have twenty-three, if I've counted correctly. So does that and so does that mean twenty-three different countries? No, uh, in Italy we have two affiliates. Uh, as far as I can think off the top of my head. Um, nope, the US also has some affiliates that are, uh, there's more than one in, in the US. There right. is Passive House California as well as Passive House New York and there's the NEPHM. Um, yep. So Sharon was explaining that they're hoping to um, eventually absorb those into, as chapters of NAPHM just right. to simplify the process of um, communicating with us. Yep. Um, but as of now, they are standalone organisations that are affiliated with, but not chapters of, in the yep. region. Yep. Um, yeah. But otherwise, they tend to, most countries tend to have one affiliate. Yep. It's not um, a rule, though. There can be more than one. Yeah. What are you seeing as some of the common challenges across those affiliates? The most common challenge would be that they are um, usually volunteer organisations, mm -hmm. which means financing is most commonly an issue. Yeah, um, we, and not we even, can relate to that. Yeah, <laughs> and not even just um, a money um, issue, but a time issue often. Yeah. 
Um, so as people's um, careers uh, take off in other directions, sometimes they get too busy. Yeah. Um, or things change hands. Uh, some affiliates tend to have uh, rotating boards, which is very, very important um, for uh, the democratic aspects of it. But it always results, of course, in a changeover period where yeah. people have to adapt. Yeah. Um, but it is nice to see new blood in, in those organisations that yeah. do it. Yeah. It's just always a learning curve to it. Mm. What were you doing before you came here? I worked at the Australian Embassy in Berlin, actually. Yeah, I, um, I really liked it. Um, I, I liked the policy aspect of things, but mm. um, my husband and I live in Stuttgart, so it's just not realistic that I would live seven hours away by train. I don't fly too often if I can avoid it, so yeah. seven-hour train ride's a bit of a tall order. Actually, so, I think now it's five and a half. So what, what was it that appealed or appeals to you now about passive hours? How did you come across passive hours? Actually, um, while I was at the embassy, we, we wrote a lot of um, summary guides really mm -hmm. for the um, diplomats to go into meetings because they don't have time to be experts on everything. They want to do their own research. Exactly, yeah. they don't want to do their own research, <laughs> saying it diplomatically. Um, so, and I was doing quite a lot of work on the energy transition. Right. Um, which is the German Energiewende, which is where they are kind of taking, um, making this shift towards renewables everywhere. Mm -hmm. um, it's not, I mean, it's it's a great idea. Maybe the execution isn't ideal. There are huge gaps and issues with it. Um, non, not in the least that it's not really about energy efficiency. It's about just maintaining our current consumption, but having that come from renewables, right. which is right. also not sustainable at the end of the day. Right. Um, they may have updated it by now, to be fair, yeah. hopefully. Because um, when was this? This was 2017, early 2017 that oh. I left them. Um, but, yes, yeah, so I was doing quite a lot, and I was noticing that this, um, the discussion was really surrounding just switching our energy sources, but it wasn't really talking about the real issue, which is just that more and more people are becoming... Um, not necessarily wealthier, but they're having access to energy and more, stuff. more yeah, more stuff. That yeah. more people are becoming consumers, right. and uh, in and more people are consuming more yeah. anyway. Yeah. So that even if we made this switch to just renewables, it wouldn't sustain what is going to be a massive growth in energy mm -hmm. use. Um, so I was kind of looking for alternatives. Um, I will admit that. Buildings wasn't the first thing I thought of, actually. I was thinking, because um, I, I try not to fly too much, so I was thinking transport was the way, and it mm. is, it's an aspect of it. Yeah. Um, but uh, I was looking to move back further south in Germany, and I came across the Passive House, and it just struck me as a really great idea, a mm. really great solution. And I was a bit taken aback that I'd never even given energy use in buildings a second thought. Yeah. Um, which is why I kind of thought, okay, well, maybe I need to go into that because it needs to be something people are aware of. So you're working in this office, which is quite a lot of technical people here mm. and some incredibly smart technical people. <laughs> um, I'm not entirely sure what my question is, but, or how to phrase it diplomatically. Uh, how, what do you think is the challenge for um, 
people who are really into physics to communicate what Passive House is trying to do? Is it a challenge for them? I think it's just looking at it the wrong way. Their, their job isn't to communicate. My job's to communicate. Right. So um, I, I think at the Institute we try not to put people in that position if, mm-hmm. it's, if it's not necessary. They do the science. They do a great job of that. And then it's my job to make that science bite-sized for people who don't need the details. And right. for the people who do, then yep. they can pass that on directly. Yeah. Um, I think it's always uh, a challenge being thrown into interviews or things in any case. Yeah. Um, yeah. So for, for the people who are really into the science, we have people who do both, like yep. Jessica um, yep. or Brett. Yeah. And then we have people who um, get bogged down in the details and yeah. that's where they're at their best. Yeah. And then that's where I step And I get, is that part of the role of the um, affiliates as well, to, to sort of filter that knowledge out through the communities that they operate in? Yeah, I mean, I think I'd say the number one role of the affiliates is to take the science, take what we're disseminating and make it regionally applicable in, mm-hmm. in places that they work. I yeah. mean, um, Passive House New Zealand knows how to communicate with New Zealanders better than I do. Well, I we think we do. Got so, sometimes, <laughs> sometimes we struggle. But you'll be, you're, you're there locally, you're able to experience yeah, sure. it yourselves and talk on a more personal level mm-hmm. um, than someone who, admittedly I'm Australian, but I haven't, I haven't worked in Australia in years and Right now, I'm based in Germany. We've got different uh, climatic con- conditions. We've got different different social and political conditions. So, I guess affiliates are there to take the science, which is universally applicable, and make it regionally accepted. Or, or, or. how did you end up in Germany in the first place? I. Uh, it's a really boring story, <laughs> unfortunately. Um, I came on a work and travel year, a gap year, because I yeah. finished high school at 17, uh, and I didn't want to be that one person who, in their first year of uni, can't do anything fun. Um, so I decided to do a gap year um, and met my now husband and just never left. Yeah. It's not boring at all. Oh, it's just, you know, I, th- I always think, like, oh, I'm going to go on some odyssey with this, but no, it's just... Uh, girl meets boy, girl yeah. stays. And but you must like it enough to stay here. I like him enough to stay. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's um, generally really interesting. I think after all these years, I'm still astounded by how similar and yet different it is to to home. And I I think there's a lot that Australia could really learn from Germany, yeah. and maybe a few things Germany could learn from us. What what could what could we learn most? Honestly, I think whenever I, th- I look at Germany, I feel like, especially environmental policy, yeah. they're not perfect, but at least they feel like they're 10 years ahead. They feel mm. like they're making an effort. It's not Tony Abbott who made a bet with someone in a cafe for $100 that the climate wouldn't change in 10 yeah. years. Like it's, it, they're taking it seriously. Yeah. They're, they're on their way. They might not be there yet, but... I feel like we haven't even really started sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Where do you see things going in the next three years, three to five years, in terms of Passive House worldwide? 
It's an interesting one. I think right now um, we are standing at the edge of inf- a forced change of behavior. I don't. The world cannot continue. Uh, running as it is we cannot continue to consume at the rate we do and I feel like um, as we realize that so we realize we're living on borrowed time people will have to look for the solutions and those those topics that they're never considered like energy efficiency in buildings mm-hmm. and I notice it when I do policy work that a lot of people um, when I started we're just talking about renewables okay renewables will cover mm-hmm. it it'll make it net yeah. zero yeah. but all of a sudden they're saying okay but maybe efficiency first, renewables mm-hmm. later, mm-hmm. and or even better, just make it a match made in heaven and and factor renewables in as a part of energy efficiency. Yeah. Um, and that's been a real shift because inherently what I find the problem has been up until now is that energy efficiency is seen as a threat because it's not consumerism, it's saving. Yeah, so right. to actually so you're selling less. Yeah. yeah, and so you get lobbyists immediately saying, oh, I don't want any part of this, let's, mm-hmm. let's stop that right there. Yeah. But I think as people are beginning to, to wake up and realise that we can't continue living this way, mm-hmm. then it will become more, well, more widespread. The uptake is increasing in, in multiple countries anyway. Yep. And yep. Political uptake is is increasing as well. Yeah, cool. Oh, keep up the good work. <laughs> Thank you. And that was Georgia Zar, who heads up international communications for the International Passive House Association, as part of the Passive House Institute in Darmstadt. She is Australian, as she mentioned, but now she lives in uh, in Germany with her husband. It was great to catch up with the team there and uh, it's really important I think that we strengthen those links not just with Darmstadt and Germany but also with those other affiliates around the world as we continue to learn and encourage each other and uh, promote Passive House in all climates and in in all countries around the world because it's uh, the more I learn about it the more it just seems like uh, a no-brainer and such a a great way for us to be designing and building for healthier healthier homes, healthier buildings to work in, and for a healthier planet too. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Please head on over to iTunes or wherever you download these podcasts and uh, give us a rating. Also spread the news. Uh, it'd be great to um, grow the audience so we can spread the message about uh, not just Passive House, but also better living in general. Thank you very much for tuning in. Now go make a better place to live.